Now they're planning the pod of the century. That's right. It's Cover Me. I'm your host, Jake Cressy, joined as always by this man of lust, greed, and glory. Mm, Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. In, in the studio with today, a dreamer. I, uh, do I have any other good jokes for this one? No. <laughs> a, a real Johnny Too Good, if you will. Our special guest, cover musician, Jesse Crossley, back in the studio. Hello, hello. What's up? So this is Cover Me, the podcast where we talk usually about just famous songs and the many cover versions of them. Today we're actually talking about a famous album, Crime of the Century, and just one cover version of that entire album. The uh, organization Classic Albums Live was in Calgary this week. Wednesday, November 28th, that's the week of this recording anyway. And they played the entirety of Crime of the Century from front to back using uh, their their uh, musicians. We'll get into more of our opinions on the performance as well as their versions of the songs. We're going to start talking about the history of the original album, which is by, of course, the band Super Tramp, fronted by Roger Hodgson and Rick Davies. Now, this is their third album. This is after their first two albums flopped. Which I know the first album is called Super Tramp. I don't remember the name of the second album. Indelibly Stamped. That's I right. Is that, the name of that album. That is correct. So this album came out in 1974. It's got a dedication which reads To Sam, which is a nick- nickname and acronym for Stanley August Misses. M I S S E G A E S. I don't know how to pronounce that. That sounds right. The Dutch millionaire who supported the band from 1969 to 72. That's a weird thing. No. Yeah, it was. It's, it's very strange that just some guy saw, as I understand, just saw Rick Davies performing and was like, you should be in a better band than this. Have some money. <laughs> and hire some people. Thank you. Oh, that's insane because it's almost like a, wow. a medieval, like like the patron system of supporting musicians, right? Where just really rich dudes would be like, this is my bard. I've paid him many dollars and I give he him a house. the loot in my court in my court we <laughs> have bowls and just, if you think that was a bad british accent just you wait just you wait my <laughs> guts this is their third studio album it's the whole band had basically broken up except for hodgson and davies and so this is the first uh, album to feature drummer rob C- bob siebenberg uh the woodwinds player slash like saxophonist john anthony hellowell Hello, <laughs> well, and bassist Hello. Dougie Thompson and producer Ken Scott. So these guys all came in. So it's for, kind of a new team with with Roger well, and right? Rick. Yeah, yeah that's hello, well, hello, well, hello, well, and like we the, say, every fact about this album and this band is just just gets crazier and crazier. Not only were they supported by a Dutch millionaire for their starting years, but uh, their A and R man, who later became their manager, uh, Dave Margerson sent the group to a 17th century farm in West Dorset in order to rehearse together and prepare the album. Man, all these, like, 70s stuff, I feel like there was a trend of just sending bands to, like, old houses or yeah, something. Yeah, send them somewhere far away and go come back with some gold. Yeah. Because, there... like, I mean, that's... I think Led Zeppelin Four had something similar going on, mm-hmm. and, like, Aqualung, which I'm going to bring up again later. Yeah. But Aqualung uh, and... And some other Jethro Tull stuff of like, they yeah. just went to this like resort and recorded a bunch of music. Yeah. Yeah, it is a trend from that time. You don't see that as much these days. I guess there's just so much access to recording studios. I suppose. It, That's it my guess. It happens if you've seen the movie Frank. It happens in that where they go out to a cabin to like record. Which movie is <laughs> That's a weird Frank. movie, by That's the way. That's the one with the guy who has the big, the big uh, head. head. Uh, he wears the... And he's like a musician. He makes like, basically like... 
kind of Frank Zappa avant-garde okay. era kind of music, but yeah. like lower fi, like worse. Oh, like it's this unlistenable sort of like garbage right. melody. And then the what like the character we follow into it is trying to make like little poppy music, and it's it's funny. It's a very yeah. Okay, check it out. Sounds interesting, but yeah. I don't know it. So after that, the album was recorded at several studios, including Rampart Studios, which is owned by the Who, uh, Trident Studios with uh, that was with co-producer Ken Scott, and they made approximately forty-two demo songs for this album, which is a lot. That's a lot, especially when you consider the the what is it nine tracks on this album that actually yeah, made it's the not cut like that long. But the songs themselves, you have like three to four. There's no song shorter than like four minutes on this album. No, they're lengthy. Yeah, they're lengthy. They're, they're all lengthy well, A lot tracks. of them also have a lot of uh, instrumentals into it, too. Right? Yeah, that's, that's your standard prog rock genre. Is, yeah. Um, what else do I have to say about this one? Number 27 on Rolling Stone's uh, 50 Greatest Prog Rock Albums. Number one on that list is Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, just for comparison. Okay. Ah. Uh, 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 so this, de- this album deals kind of with themes of like loneliness, isolation, mental stability, but bars yeah, on a jail cell. That's right. Yeah. The, the album Hands. cover, I, it's done by a photographer who worked with them on later albums too. And he was like, what, what kind of sentence would you get for the crime of the century was his like question he asked when putting in the album cover and the album cover is of course this like prison window with so the two sentence hands is on it. jail jail in space space jail okay of <laughs> yeah course. that makes sense and naturally like today we could have easily done that with photoshop but he had to like take the picture like 15 times or something and like layer it over a space shot there's this crazy process mm. but yeah another example of just the hard work people had to put in back then back when things weren't easy isolating fucking because bands and in cabins. You're supported by, uh, you know, multi-millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, a lot of people call this a concept album, but the, like, Supertramp themselves has kind of denied that. Rick Davies yeah. links the opening track, School, to Bloody Well Right with the line, So You Think Your Schooling's Phony. And But according to Hodgson, any unifying thread beyond that is, uh, like, up to the listener's imagination. I suppose this is a concept that I'm kind of waffling on a lot, where... Like, what is the difference between a concept album and a, like, rock opera? Right. Does a concept album need to tell a story specifically? Or is it enough that there's a unifying concept? Or is that just, like, an album? Yeah. Like, what's the difference between a concept album and an album with a concept? I know. Because I I just remember hearing, like, um, something like The Grand Illusion Mm -hmm. by Styx. I've heard it called a concept album. It doesn't really tell a story. But I guess it wasn't. It might not have been called a concept album, but they definitely said the concept of this album was these themes, whereas that maybe some people just call that an album. Yeah, I mean, because with any album, it's a collection of ideas from a certain period in time. Would you also consider like a psychedelic album be like part of that category? Because a lot of time there's also a certain theme that they're trying to convey, right? Yeah. The first song till the end also would. Uh, including sounds and instruments playing within each other mm-hmm. from one song to another. Right. And as I understand things like, well, what I've always heard was it kind of goes back to at least, or at least was popularized by Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club yeah, Band, where like the is, white album, where the, the songs, the themes of the songs are related to one another. Or there's like a certain number of themes on the album and the songs sort yeah. of touch on that in, in a, in a consistent way. 
And we just call that an album. We don't call that a concept album. Mm-hmm. Although I don't really know what the original intent was, because to me, concept album just sounds like an album Honestly, where man, there was a concept behind it. I, I don't necessarily. I don't know. It needs to be a a story, but yeah, just kind of. Yeah. So let me let me riddle some off at you oh. here. Dark Side of the Moon concept album. Supposed to be. Is it? Because I know I it mean, deals with insanity. That yeah, but. Again, it do, it doesn't really tell a story. Does the wall all the way through? Yes, tell yeah. a story, the, right? The wall is a story specifically. I yeah. mean, they made a yeah. movie anyway. Yeah, enough of a story for that. And like Tommy is a concept album, yeah, for sure, and it has a story. And like again, to go back to the Pink Floyd, well, Animals, I would call that a concept album only because it's a, a sort of foil to George Orwell's Animal Farm. Where it's a criticism of capitalism as opposed to Stalinism. You would know more about that. I have no idea. I don't. Yeah, I've, that's, I've that's, that's beyond me, man. Animals. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> really, more a music from the film, more kind of guy. That's sure, but animals, man. I don't, I don't <laughs> god damn it! <laughs> I, I, I really not got into Pink Floyd almost at yeah, all. Yeah, no, I. It didn't really catch me though, right? I mean, Pink Floyd's always been there for me since I was a kid and all the way through to my life, but it didn't. It wasn't one of the ones that really stuck with me that I kind of followed and enjoyed. My dad really liked Pink Floyd, so I think I may have actively avoided it a little mm. bit. Your dad probably liked Dark Side of the Moon and The Wall. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and with <laughs> you here. You have the three like most popular albums. <laughs> Listen <laughs> to Animals, <laughs> you animal. <laughs> I like Adam Hart Mother. Um, what about, uh, I love Adam Hart Mother, and that Pink Floyd hates that album. Oh, really? Yeah, that's their least favorite album. Oh my God. Actually, that's what I heard about, uh, to maybe bring this back to Supertramp, mm-hmm. uh, the follow-up Crisis with Crisis. Oh, yeah. That the band didn't like it at the time. Really? Because there's a lot of unused stuff from... Uh, from Crime of the Century. Yeah. And then, but then there was a recent interview where Roger Hodgson, I believe, said it was his favorite album, which I think is great because I really love it too. Yeah, Hodgson seems to go back and forth on a lot of statements. Yeah, well, there, there was a lot of uh, He talks specifically about band. Crime of the Century, the song. He's like, yeah, me and Davies were just back and forth. Like, when we were writing this, it was just like the synergy. And then later on, he's like, yeah, it was all Davies. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Depends on what mood is in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's He sort of bounces all Catching over the, the place. Right time? Um, what about, okay, uh, Paradise Theater is a concept album. Sure. But it's like, it's just about a, a theater that was groovy and then sure, shut I guess down, right? It like, has, I guess in that case, it's, it's, um, I'm trying to think this, it's like, there's kind of a story. It's maybe a little looser. Yeah. I mean, concept albums can be pretty loose, I guess. So maybe the other thing is that there is no real unifying definition because everyone can do whatever they want i suppose yeah and like no one really everyone's like yeah i just made an album i don't care if it's called a concept album i just wanted to do that <laughs> and then it's up to us to categorize it or whatever fair that's, so that's that's my that's my takeaway any last words on concept albums jesse <laughs> I think we said enough about it. All right. So let's talk about the uh, organization Classic Albums Live yeah. who did the cover work here. Mm, First, I'm going to list let's. off specifically the musicians who did um, this performance. So we had Greg Tyler who did vocals. And since he's listed as exclusively vocals, vocals. you can tell he was he was our fake Roger Hodgson. He was our fake Roger Hodgson. Ah. And we've got Rich Hamlin who did vocals and guitar. So he did the Rick Davies parts and also guitar. We've got Alex McMaster, who I'm assuming is the the auxiliary percussion woman, because she did vocals and percussion. Yeah. Okay. We've got okay. Scott Green on guitar. We've got Chris Robert 
Hearts on sax and woodwinds. Mm. Will Hare on he keyboards. Played a flute briefly as well. Yeah. And we'll talk about that flute. We got <laughs> Will Hare and Robert Angelo doing keyboards. We got Troy Feener on drums and Kevin Bath on bass. So that is a one, two, three, four, nine. five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's a ten piece band. Ten? I only yeah. counted nine. Maybe, one, two, I, miss, three, maybe four, I missed maybe I missed auxiliary percussion. Sorry, no, it's nine. Okay. I'm bad at counting sometimes. So this uh this organization was founded by a guy called Craig Martin in two thousand three. He's from Toronto. They uh they claim to perform albums without all the gimmickry and cheesy impersonations. Yes, without the cheesy impersonations was m- what I noticed in their like little advert yeah. when I watched the video the other day, and it was like so that I have to disagree with I, I, entirely <laughs> because um they were clearly going for the for the impersonations the, of the of the singers. Yeah, they were clearly North Americans trying to sound British. Yeah, and and the British accent was pretty bad. Oh yeah, um, horrific. So not so much. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, fake Rick Davies didn't didn't really have a fake British accent most of the time. No, yeah. he did sometimes. Uh, he couldn't it was commit to a yeah, bit. That's true. So when he tried, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. But sometimes he didn't really go for it. Now, fake Roger Hodgson, on the other hand, did go pretty hard for the for the fake accent, and just it didn't. It sounded very strange. Because yeah, it, it was, was very fake. Just absurd. So just sorry absurd. if I interrupted you. I just wanted to really... No, that's perfect. That. I don't really, want to just be monologuing. That rubbed I, me. You, you want to really come in with any hot takes on the vocals here, Jesse? <laughs> um, yeah, it was intriguing, actually, what they were trying to accomplish in that. Um, trying to sound like somebody else, is actually, I think it's actually really like difficult. Uh, I, I, kudos for trying. But it didn't. In my opinion, I wasn't very impressed with what we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. On talk- that part, anyway. We talked about this on, uh, I believe, this charming man. How people kept trying to impersonate Morrissey, even though his singing style is not necessarily like good, like a healthy right. technique. And I would say that might apply to Roger Hodgson as well, because even listening to the original album on this, you can hear like the vocal strain as he's like belting it. But he uses it in a way that right. He can actually like it sounds a little more strained. But uh, in in opposition to this guy, uh, fake Roger Hodgson, mm-hmm. he could actually hit the notes he was trying to sing. Yeah. So that was a a big difference. And even if it was like he can still sing pretty decently. So I don't think he's like really damaged his voice over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think he uses the strain as like an emotional kind of like accentuation. I don't yeah. think it's real strain though. I think it's yeah. there just to give himself more volume. Or at least it's or part least, of the tone. Yeah, it's a yeah. tone of what he wants like, to get for his voice. But if you try to impersonate it, the, the quickest route to that is to sing poorly. Yeah, well the yeah, real problem, that's right. like I mentioned, we were talking about how they were totally clearly trying to impersonate the, uh, the vocalists. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really seemed like they went for that for the for imperson- uh for copying the tone mm-hmm. over actual vocal ability, which is unfortunate because it really just didn't sound very good. And he was constantly straining and in the very very upper limits of his range, which uh, and and surpassing it. Like he was he was hitting the end of it and trying to push past, and it didn't sound good. Yeah, it's um, it was just uh, just bizarre to see them tear themselves apart to do a lesser version when they could have sort of reeled it in a bit, maybe transposed things down and had a much more Yeah, reeling it in would be a good word for it. Just to bring everything back in and tightening everything up. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, like you said before, I think 
trying to imitate someone else it seems forceful mm-hmm. and then you're bre- almost breaking yourself to the point of the quality of the song as now is in jeopardy because of you trying to imitate rather than owning it yeah and what, what i think we find here is there's such strain on the two singers that it sort of affected the rest of the band or this is maybe just a theory because there's a lot of drop notes on everybody's part throughout these performances we're missing like people are missing their point to come in. They're dropping lines mm-hmm. halfway through. There, it was for the this company prides themselves on doing the albums note for note and cut for cut. Their words, not mine, and they did not deliver. It, that is that why they ask for no recordings and no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. It was yeah, it was rough. There was a lot of times where like, especially near the end, the saxophone part would like start and stop, and there was even. Uh, we'll get. Uh, are we gonna? We'll probably go song by song. Later. Yeah, we're going song by song. But, but there was we're a just part where, like, he, he was playing clarinet, I think, and it was like really squeaking. Like it sounded like. Oh yeah, I've marked that down yeah. as a note. Yeah. Song, song so, song. Well, yeah, there we'll, were even we'll parts where I don't remember when it was. Sorry, but, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm just saying yeah. that there's just parts where even like you knew he was gonna come in, mm-hmm. but he wouldn't. But he's already there in his position to do so. Yeah. And he's just gonna casually come in, but he's already late. Yeah. yeah. So as if like he didn't even play his part, he just kind of like tooted just for a brief moment and then walked off again. I'm like, what is he doing? Especially because the saxophone in these Super Tramp tracks like really cuts through the mix and draws you in. Like yeah. it's supposed yeah, it really to come does. in hard. I was and very disappointed a couple times when like he came in, but it was but just not. Great. Yeah, it was just it fell flat, or <laughs> yeah. you didn't even notice it. Yeah, it's it's horrifying how little I noticed him. Yeah, yeah. I think some part of, of that was the. Uh, the audio engineers there in the, we, it was at the Jack Singer in mm-hmm. Calgary. Um, if we had didn't mention that, I don't know where where the audio engineers come from. Um, they're also classic albums they're part live. Of the, that would, oh, they're all the same. Group. Craig Martin has it was it's usually either Craig Martin or some dude he's trained. Right, and we were, <laughs> we were pretty close to the to, to the uh, engineer to the yeah. engineers right. So we should have got decent sound. Well, yeah, the screen that we're all but to our right, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, yeah. Didn't see them. We were like at the back, so we were at the back. Yeah, we were so at we the back, and he see. was just a couple rows in front of us. Yes, that's right. So we should have got a pretty close approximation of what they were hearing, I would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, yeah, not great. Yeah, and that's the Jack Singer is actually a, like a great acoustic space. It's specifically yes. a concert hall. Yeah. It's not like yeah. it's a stadium. Mm-hmm. So I noticed that acoustic wise it was actually pretty good, but a lot of the mic work was a little bit off. Right. Because even with some of the vocalists, when you just step back, you could you can't even hear them. Especially the horn um section. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Well was... he I just think he had a hard day, man. Yeah, I'd like <laughs> that was not a good concert it for him. Uh, it was rough for him, especially mm-hmm. him. Yeah, they all had some rough patches, but he's, <laughs> he seemed to be taking the worst of it. So yeah. Uh, Craig Martin refers to um, the people he hires as the world's best musicians, which I think is incorrect, not only because I've seen their performance, but if your whole organization is dedicated to covering other people's music, how can you be the world's best musician? We must be the worst, hardest critics. Because the world's best musicians are just making their own music somewhere. Because <laughs> yeah. if you are the world's best musicians... Why would you just ape other people's performances again, note for note and cut for cut? It's pretty rough to say the world's best musicians. Yeah. It's a pretty arrogant way to say that. Oh, absolutely. I think it's... Anyway, they're a Toronto-based company. We've gone through the... <laughs> From Toronto. The nine-piece band. Just just for clarity, there's five members in Supertramp, at least on this album. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing is we're comparing it to a recording, so they have yeah, a more tracks. Classic albums live specifically 
specifically is comparing themselves against the recording. That's true. That is their That's goal. That's true. But it's kind of understandable that they need more people. Yeah. I, I, and, but the thing is, they have all these more people, and they still, I think, rely too much on like synthesizing things. They could have had so many more instruments mm, up there. They could that was really one thing that you mentioned right away. Made a fuller yeah. piece of this. Well, I don't think this that we mentioned this, but we actually kind of went into this thinking that it was an orchestral uh, cover. That's what I thought. Yeah. But when you that said orchestra, I'm thinking huge so we, people, right? Yeah. Stages of stuff. The, and the whole thing i was even gonna ask like are we even gonna have an actual vocalist for this or is it gonna be like a full just instrumental only yeah and i was kind of looking forward to that mm -hmm. until i showed up like oh it's gonna be an imitation group yeah oh was, okay this is gonna be a bit this is of a gonna be interesting down, but like i was like yeah. maybe there's, there's still gonna be something here because i saw pink floyd's the wall and dark side of the moon done by an orchestra there that's fantastic because even if the singers aren't like a hundred percent like the original. It's you know, it's, it's an interpretation. We've got a new in the style same place in, the, in that. Yeah, in the oh, okay. Hall. And that's gonna be that must have been a blast. Yeah, it was awesome. Plus, like, I mean, just what surprised me the most was the, the like you said, the, you mentioned the singers that like we talked about. They weren't good. They clearly couldn't hit the notes. And these are professionals. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, they, they know they're fucking up. Even if some of the people in the audience don't seem to. Because oh. a lot of the people really seem to be quite into it. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it's a much older audience at the. True. Uh, one thing worth noting is they don't even call their 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 shows are technically not concerts; they're recitals. Because they just do the whole thing start to finish, no like talking to the crowd or anything. Fair enough. And I don't know the word recital to me is linked to very juvenile performances. Yeah, that it, reminds me of like generally. high school yeah. band. Exactly. It's coming uh, to the recital, sit in the gym hall. Yeah. With a bunch of plastic chairs. <laughs> and so, and their whole bit about the gimmickry, which essentially for them is one, not shouting out all the musicians on stage. The guy on keys oh was like, Chris Roberts on sax. You can find the rest of us on Facebook. You can find the rest of us in, yeah, on, online. I'm like, what the okay, hell? Okay. So we're not going to like show some respect for the individual musicians. Fine. Maybe, maybe, honestly, maybe he was worried we'd get to the vocalist and they'd just be like, boo! <laughs> well, yeah. Fuck no! It might have happened. Maybe. It could have happened. Maybe he was just out of respect for them. <laughs> God, I don't know. It's but, not like the vocalists were that much worse than the saxophone player. That's true, yeah. Well, I know, it isn't like one person Woodwinds. who really stuck. It was pretty much all tidbits of all through the whole band. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. Plus... In the second half, right? Yeah. Uh, there was... Is it Bloody Well Right? Yeah, no, Bloody Well Right no, was in the half. first half. So in the second half, uh, they, they finished the Crime of the Century, and then the second half, they played just a just bunch... Just greatest just hits. Greatest hits. Yeah. It's Super Tramp. Oh, fuck. But yeah, there was one song in their particular... I'm, yeah, I'm just... My mind is not where getting Where the sax around. just, like, was exceptionally bad. Just let us down. It's unbelievable. Was it the whole show? The whole show. And then, yeah, he's also like, we don't do the whole encore thing. We're not going to go off stage and have you clap for us and then come back like, oh, we've got one more song. And I'm like, I don't know. That's part of being a showman. That's the fun part, right? It's fun to like. It's because they don't have any more songs prepared. Right? I know. It's it's fun to like <laughs> believe that my cheering and my enthusiasm and love of a performance brought them back to the stage like a resurrection and they're going to play one, two, three more songs, you know? Yeah. And then do it robotically without any real passion to it. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. yeah, there was, it's a, a dispassionate recital is ultimately what this dispassionate felt Dispassionate like. recital. 
which is the name of my that's gonna be our first album first album <laughs> yeah i was gonna say autobiography <laughs> that could work too. all right let's really jump let's jump into talking about the songs we're gonna start comparing these one sure. by one um so the album opens with school school i can see you in the morning when you go to school don't forget your books you know you gotta learn the golden uh this is a, a very british song in terms of it's just the way it talks about school i find yeah. school songs in britain are always a very harrowing experience it's about there seems awful to teachers. Yeah, be a lot of like, uh, like similar abuse. theme to a lot of other songs that are from mm. you know. Whereas, like here, we get smoking in the boys' room. And yeah, schools out. Schools out. Like yeah. America. It's a very American style. Yeah. It's very free. Over here. Yeah, we're just like fuck. Yeah, it's school. Free. You go to America and you go to like Europe. It's like, oh yeah, we can, we can beat you up. Gotta like my teacher beat me yeah. relentlessly. <laughs> I felt isolated from my peers. Yeah, and There's it was a nightmare. Smoking in the boys' room. Uh. Uh-uh. No, we all hung out in the bathroom and taking smoked cigarettes. But so this. This one opens with a just a beautiful harmonica solo, which uh, we're talking about the original track here first. Oh yeah! Before we jump into classic, I think you were talking <laughs> about okay, the original track when you said it was a beautiful harmonica um, solo. And this uh, these harmonica notes are actually mirrored at the on the final song on "Crime of the Century." Oh really? Yeah, it's you. You, you might not notice it because there's a big cacophony of instruments on that track, and it's right near the end. But he plays like the same line, and so I will give this point towards it being a concept album. It gives that kind of cyclical nature, similar so to has that the motif wall. Yeah, it's got a bit repetition. of motif action going on mm. there. Just a bit. Just a little bit. But it's there. And uh, let's see. Tons of instruments in this. Um, we got percussion. We got guitar. And they do a lot of weird percussion stuff. Like there's like shakers or like yeah, a, one of those Yes, there was things. a shaker. Was that this one? I think it was. Yeah. And the recorded screams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, so it's like these are such like musically rich pieces, and this one in particular, we got just one of the maybe the best one of the best piano solos I know of. <laughs> like, how can you not get excited when you hear that? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. The timing in this cool. song too is also kind of different. Mm-hmm. It's not as Ooh, generic, nice. so I could see why that's. I gotta start paying attention to the timing when we come talk to you because you mentioned it and then yeah, I can never respond. <laughs> yeah, and I never know. Yeah, well, that was the one. Of, sorry, one of the things that really stood out with a lot, uh, the, especially the first three songs, that yeah. was really dominant for me. It's like, wow, what's uh, there's there's too many things going on here, and you know they're all in different time signatures and they're mm-hmm. trying to catch each other. Well, yeah, especially again, this comes to the mixing but for the, the classic intro albums. for this speci- um, specifically when mm-hmm. they were getting in. I don't mm. think they knew when to come in. Yeah. They were kind of like, you know, it, it's really slow on here that, you know, the recording of the right. scheme, the kids, and it's... Mm-hmm. And it felt like they were kind of like, when do we come in? And it was just kind of like rushed and boom, here it is. Well, yeah, even them coming to the stage, like, yeah, was there was these moments of uncertainty. Of there was, was, yeah, like, it was... It, Yo, we don't bite, brother! Yeah, you hear the <laughs> scream of the guy. <laughs> like, we don't bite. Yeah, the oh. guy to my left said that. Yeah. Right? The guy okay, we don't bite. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah someone shouted out the uh, opening harmonica was not great it was rough. which was weird because fake rick <laughs> davies later on played harmonica and he played it way better so 
and he wasn't doing anything at that part, so he could have played. He could have played that too, part, mm-hmm. yeah, but he didn't. And it is weird to not come in strong because that is the first song you're yeah. doing. Yeah, right. This is like the spearhead of your performance for the rest of the night. And that being said, like the keys on this track. We're well done. That's true of most mm, tracks. That's like I'm gonna say that on every track, but the keys and the synth did their job. Yeah, and they did it. They did a great They're job. You guys were saying that this is probably the two guys that did most of the work for the band. They were mm-hmm. the pinnacle part, and everyone else kind of came into that, right? But it seemed like those they were more in charge of that group. Well, keys are the most important part of any band. Agreed. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, That's why you play the same key. The percussion, <laughs> like the drums are overpowering in the keys solo in the uh, the classic album's live version. It's They're very loud and distracting. I'm trying to listen to this very smooth, energetic piano solo, and I just hear this fucking crash. <gasps> boom, dum, dum. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I still don't like... I don't want to be too hard on the mix. I know... It could have been better. 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 But that happens a lot at concerts where the mixing is questionable just because you're mixing for the whole room. And I know we discussed it a bit before, but I really do think, for me anyway, I would give some leniency on that. There's plenty of other bad stuff. Yeah. Um, but to me, like concerts often have a, a inferior the acoustic is just going to be the same right to to the recording and i know they're trying to sound exactly like the recording but they are still you know limited yeah by, i, I by think mostly setting. what we're going to be what i wanted to hear was the notes and quotations and you know mm-hmm. the <clears throat> the energy that they were trying to convey with the album but that's, that's not the idea. Yeah. It's trying to kind of like bring it that same effect. It was nostalgic supposed to be, right? Yeah. To bring it in, now this is what it's like to listen to a f- the full album live. And so that's kind of what I wanted to hear. And Yeah, know. I feel like we missed that mark. The original song is... Not in all. I can't say that for the whole show. No, but I think on this opening track, which is so strong. Yes. Like... We miss this thing completely. There's moments like one of my favorite parts of this song is like the ending line where he says, You're coming along. You're coming and along. It's so along. quiet on the original mix that if your volume isn't at the right level, you won't even fucking hear it. Because <laughs> it'll just be like, there'll be this empty space. And you're like, I'm then, pretty sure he says, You're coming along. And then it just goes, bling, 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 And you're like, Oh, yeah. I wasn't loud yeah. enough in the mix. <laughs> That's also a really emotional part of the song. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, and I think that that. Even some of the madness stuff and they're going oh, through, they, right? They, that has to be captured, right? They lack but, the emotional yeah. complexity in the singing. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. They like it, a lot of complexity in the singing. Seriously. It's, you can already yeah. hear his voice hurting from singing in this one. <laughs> fake Roger Hodgson. Because he was out, Wait, out of his comfort zone. The Hodgson guy the was the guy with the black shirt, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the higher part. Yeah. And uh, like he's just trying he, to put on this fake British accent. Yes, he had his fake British accent, which doesn't sound like Roger Hodgson. No. It just sounds like a fake British accent. Yeah, it's just, it's just this high-pitched like tea kettle voice. Yeah, it's a tea kettle voice. That's kind of what it is. And he I, was a little squeaky. I thought he was yeah. a little squeaky. And, and I think... Kind of, and his enunciation is terrible. As yeah. I said, enunciation. His enunciation. enunciation. <laughs> I think that was just terrible. part of the like bad accent because he was like trying to sound like he was enunciating it in a yeah. British accent, but he was like dropping. He's all like doing a lot of weird things with consonants that he should not have done, mm-hmm. and vowels, for that matter. Yeah. Um. Also, I'm pretty sure there was a part in this song where the woodwinds guy like completely missed a sax or uh, clarinet part. Oh yeah. He I'm just missed sure. completely. Was, that, was yeah. that a clarinet or was that a flute? 
He came in with a flute he, later he on. He comes with a flute, and it is just so, like, I, I know you don't want to rip on the mix, no, but no. holy shit. No, no. I will, <laughs> it was, it's, I think, at least. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, this is still the first yeah. song. Whatever was making that sound in the original, and yeah. I'm not convinced it was a flute in the original. Yeah. Like, I think it was maybe a synthesizer or something. Yeah, because, like. It sounds, like, too high to me. Yeah. And it just, like, it cut through the mix in the worst way possible. Yeah. Where you go, what Which, the fuck is that, was with that flute? That's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, maybe they changed it because the other thing couldn't be heard very well, but it didn't sound very good when they changed it. So. No, it's just just awful. And there's a part where both uh, Rick Davies and Roger Hodgson sing together on this one, and with our impersonators, it like brought out the worst in both of their vocals. <laughs> yes, because they're going back and forth. They're yeah. And forth. The, other, the other thing I noticed, well, first I said fake Rick Davies makes an entrance. All vocals are straining and unnatural. Um. So yeah, that. Yeah. But also in the end, when they're going back and forth, they're like, "Don't criticize." They're old and yeah. there's like a saxophone or some kind of horns playing there, yeah. and they didn't do that at didn't, all. No, no, he didn't even step on. He wasn't even on the stage at that time. Yeah, he did. He kept leaving the stage. He kept yeah. leaving. Yeah, to, 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 uh, yeah, he would come in and play it and leave. And then leave. It yeah. was like, did we see a show where a bass the bassist walked off? No, wasn't that, uh, we weren't there. That was Jeff Tate. Oh, okay. Who opened for yeah, Alice Cooper right. one time? I thought maybe that was. And at uh, one point, the Nazareth. bass. Was sorry? No, but Nazareth with the guitarist was just drunk. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Jeff so, Tate. But then there was also yeah, parts in the band, like the guitars in them, that didn't have parts for a while. But they didn't leave. They stayed the entire time. Yeah. yeah. They stayed on their pedestal. But um, yeah, the where the bass, the bass player, I think his cable stopped working or something. So he just like left, got a new cable, <laughs> plugged in, and just started playing again. Oh so my it god. Was, that one, at least that was a technical difficulty, and not just leaving the stage. On, yeah. On a. But um, recitals do do that. I've seen it before. Like even when I used to be in band in, mm-hmm. in school, that you have a part that you just step off and come back on again. I don't know why. I don't think it's really. It's not necessary. So I guess it's, it's, it's distract. It's distracting. Yeah. Well, it's distracting. <laughs> plus, you know, you have to think about well. Let me just stay here. <laughs> then we just keep an eye where my next part is, rather than just leaving, coming back and forth. It isn't a play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's bizarre. I got one last note on this one, just okay. about the original recording. Um, so, and this is more about like Hodgson's weird, flaky take on who gets credit for what. <laughs> Hodgson describes School as my song, basically, but admits that Davies wrote both the piano solo and a good deal of the lyrics. But it's basically his. But it's basically song. my song. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's bizarre. Does he mean that he sings most of it? Is that, is that what he means? No, I don't think so. We get a lot of weird ones. Uh, like like Dreamer, he takes a a, a lot of credit for because it's basically some shit he recorded when he was nineteen. And right. I can't. I just can't imagine putting my band through that experience. But like, no, I did this when I was nineteen. It was sick. Listen, take a listen. <laughs> Do out. what I did when I was nineteen, bro. Like, check that out. <laughs> I can't see I me doing. Check, that. I was gonna check how old they were when they recorded this album. Was that much later? Um, I'm gonna guess it would be about twenty three at the very least, because okay. that's how old uh, Roger Hodgson was when he was twenty three. I mean, when he was <laughs> when he was twenty three. <laughs> so he was twenty three when he wrote "Hide in Your Shell." Oh, okay. So it's like so 23 to 25. be around that period. Mm-hmm. They're probably okay. a little older even still. Let's see. Okay, so that's, I mean, if we're going to do like we usually do and compare which is the better version, <laughs> it's the original. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't give me that. We're, we're tight for time here as this. <laughs> um, okay, let's jump into Bloody Well Right. i 
Which is uh, uh, one of their singles. It's one like white, singles. Right. one of my favorite songs. Particularly in the popular in Canada. Yes, yeah. is, is where it got a big a following. Song. I remember listening to it on the radio a lot. Yes, in my younger days. Yeah. So we start with just when an incredible uh, like p- piano part, incredible keys right oh, off. Oh, amazing! All the all the piano, all the notes are in the right place. Yeah, sounds pretty good. So I am starting by talking about the original and then jumping into the oh, okay. into oh, the classic sure. albums live. I was talking about the live version. Yeah, if, I could if tell. that was uh, not is, obvious. That's why I brought that up. <laughs> yeah, in the recording, it actually uh, they made they used the best piano part. And there's a bit. So in the classic albums version, they do this bit on distorted guitar. Is that guitar in the original as well, or is that a yeah? What I kind of so. pedal there's, effect is that? What I don't know exactly, but I do get the idea that the effects that they use were like. Not quite. I it's, it's was hard it more to like stab effects? a screwdriver in the amp kind of effects? Than, uh, Maybe I guess it's hard to recreate that, and you have to like use the, the best way, isn't it? Yeah. The same amplifiers, and they were maybe <clears> using <throat> something different. I don't know how long were tube amplifiers used for. I don't know what did they use, but like, and effects are tough, and there's different ways to get similar effects. But yeah, uh, the live version was just kind of sounded distorted as opposed to the live like, version had a little bit more strings involved than rather just just a full distorted like almost like a rock guitar. Yeah. Uh, before uh, we could jump into the guitar, I'm gonna go back to the piano a bit. Mm-hmm. I oh, love sure. the piano in this. Yeah. But it has a certain sense of there's no urgency in it. It's very lax until, and you know, and then you have that punch when the guitar comes in, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the saxophone. Interesting. I actually right? didn't know the saxophone actually. It is a sax, right, with the guitar, right? Yeah, cool. Now I love this intro. This is one of my favorite intros. It just one of my favorite intros. Yeah. However, when we saw it live, it was not rehearsed right. He was rushing. He was like people didn't really know when to come in. Yeah. It was a mess. That was the first thing I noticed with this. It's like I love the piano. He played it fine. Mm -hmm. I think it was there, but he was just like, "Where are? Where am I now?" You lose them right away, and every one of the band when they come in, mm-hmm. they didn't know where they were when they came in. It was kind of like step into it right away, as if like you didn't, you know, you don't know if the lights gonna be red or yellow. <laughs> you know the stuff. It was yeah. kind of like one of those times. Oh yeah, you kind of like you're kind of yeah, tapping they, they the were break. Like, uh, so it was yeah, and that's kind of one thing that I got right away is that you just lose the energy, right? But that is a really important song for me, and that's also a really important part for that. that that's like. The punchline for getting into the song, yeah, right, and it's almost very similar to the first song. Where it kind of builds into it, and it's very important. I didn't think it just wasn't executed right. Yeah, well, there's something missing, I think, because in that beginning part with the key solo, there's, I, it's there's heavy drum parts where it goes bam bam, and it's also horns on that, right? Yeah, there was no horns in the live no, version. No, and I and that also wasn't just the execution wasn't right. It was the his timing was really off. Mm-hmm. He was rushing through it. It's kind of like. He like when you're in the keys when in that in that part, the piano is the full body. Yeah. Right. You are like the engine of that. Just that part. He didn't have to rush that. There was no one else. He didn't need to keep up with anybody else. There's no drums behind it. Just play it. And that yeah. was his own space. That was his own space. Living it how he saw yeah. fit. And yet he made himself so small. And he like get like he did it so fast. Yeah. And it was kind of like rushed. And he just it, it felt really uncomfortable. 
Yeah, because that is supposed to be a sort of self-indulgent. It is. It's solo. It stays there and it sits around. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's very lax too, right? And then the build-up of the saxophone. Yeah, and the horn. And then it comes in. But even still, the beat of the guitar is still really lax, right? Yeah, still going. It's kind of it's kind of groovy. That did not happen in this time. It was like. Yeah. So let's talk. Let's get it over with. Let's talk about thematically, sort of the lyrics of this song. Um. It's about one, so you think your schooling's phony. Yeah. Right. It's hard not to agree. Uh, you say it depends on the money, who's in your family tree. It's about like a young person, young mm-hmm. man, who's finding himself sort of oppressed by the like the system that he's, he's in. He's coming out of out of maybe the school system. School as, system, as, yeah. As, uh, we discussed, Awareness. As has been discussed and, and starting to uh, experience more and more of the world and starting to question uh, this or that, which is kind of why I thematically would associate this with Aqualung. Uh, not the song necessarily, but mm-hmm. the song is part of it. Uh, because I do think some of the themes on Aqualung are uh, similar, where you have that idea of a young person who is now seeing more of the world and starting to say, why do we do it that way? Or like, I'm coming into this. A- a- am I going to be expected to be a part of this system? Because right. maybe that would make me a bad person because there are things I see that I don't like. Mm-hmm. And, and what can I do about that? Is there anything I can maybe change about myself? That's how I've always interpreted it. Right. So I've always yes. thought of, I, I mean, more so I've thought of Aqualung, but now that we're listening to this album, tying it into that, um, yeah. it has like a very, it like yeah, like a, a young man, really, um, sort of on the cusp of adulthood and, and, and looking forward in yeah. his life. And, and asking what that means. Well, he's see- he's already seeing that it's a corrupt system. And interestingly, this song seems to be from the perspective of a man already in the system. And he's saying, you're right. You're absolutely right. This is all fucked up. Yes. But me, I don't care. I'm already right. in so it. This is the and already, I'm already succeeding. The like, jaded yeah. person. He's like, there did, is did nothing you say I have succeeded do. or has he just given up? Um, I think, I think, and this might be just pulling from the sort of lackadaisical, like, piano and guitar, but he doesn't care because he's comfortable. He's comfortable, right. It works for him. So he's not, like, he's not Rick Davies who's struggling with the system isolation. He has found his spot in it, and he understands that it's bad, but he is unwilling to do anything about it. Right, because he's... In fact, his solution is to write your problems down in detail and take them to a higher place. Take them to the Mm -hmm. system... And be like, hey, I think the system is wrong. He's like, go do that if you got a fucking problem. See where that gets you. Is that what he means by take him to a higher place? Or does he just mean fucking get rid of him? Maybe. I think <laughs> even <laughs> interpretation, you're basically getting rid of him. Yeah. Because they're not going to yeah, be like, so. oh, this young man doesn't like capitalism. <laughs> well, we better throw the system out. <laughs> <laughs> it's Your problems are going to be ignored regardless of how much detail you write it. So you might as well just mm-hmm. take a journal of it and get some satisfaction out of that. Absolutely. I get that. It's a sense of Franz Kafka right there, right? Yeah. It's so yeah, this is a brilliant <laughs> song. Kafka and mind. it's got like beautiful instruments on this, like pretty sparse for lyrics, oh, honestly. Yes. But the lyrics do a lot with what little there is. Right. Brilliant track, lots of instruments. The keys do okay, except they're quite rushed, like you said. But like they do hit the notes. We're missing It works. We're missing <laughs> horns on the drum beats. We're missing the mm-hmm. sort of relaxed guitar. Um The emotion it brings is what that was what definitely was missing. Yeah, and this is Yeah, the what, guitar solo at the intro is very hum hum. Sounds hum very drum. cool in the original. And yeah, like, yes, I like love it. Bluesy note 
bending type stuff going on and like it didn't feel comfortable in in, in the in cover. The, in like the cover. No. no, it didn't. No, um, it definitely has that very. I I want to say sleazy, but I don't think that's the right sound. It's, it's slick so was like, at the very least. And like it didn't feel as. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Like when the bends go too fast, it sounds like they're not comfortable. Yeah, and, and it doesn't have the same feel. Well, let's go back to it, man. Like. Let's slow down. Cut for cut, note for note. note. Yeah. We know what the album sounds like. They know what the album sounds like. He knows what notes is playing. Yeah. Go home, fucking practice it. I think there are a lot of <laughs> musicians that could have succeeded. But yeah, I don't think this is the an problem impossible is, task. They didn't get the best musicians in the world. They got whoever auditioned in Toronto and maybe someone's been lied to yeah. i don't know <laughs> yeah whoever was most available so like I, I the really, world's most available well, musician that should be the, right? that should be their next saying and so like yeah like this rick davies on this he lacks a, like emotional strength he lacks vocal strength i read yeah. in here he sounds like a charles dickens character actor like he sounds like he <laughs> should be in a community stage play of a christmas carol interesting is he scrooge maybe like possibly okay i did yeah he was it's just cartoonishly just kind of like that's it jake uninteresting rock the cartoonish feel for it. that's what i got oh, i got the goofiness out of uh from his performance more than the nostalgic feeling what the album yeah. really meant to me and like as a man who's done my fair share of cartoonish Rick Davies impressions growing <laughs> up, I've had this album since I was eight years old. Like <laughs> I think I could do well, a better. Well, this album's this actually time. really big to you, right? This yeah. is a, this is an important album for you. This is huge. This is like one of the one of the big ones in my life. And for good reason. Like it, it teaches you to hate the system. <laughs> <laughs> and no, that's pretty much the only thing it teaches you. <laughs> And then I guess that it's okay to feel isolated. I will say this. <laughs> their backup vocals on Right and Quite Right were actually, I enjoyed Quite them. Right. I will. Uh, oh, the backup vocalists? Um, one little nitpick. Mm -hmm. Our fake British accents come in full strength on those. Yeah. And it was a bit much. I, I thought it was a Quite bit much right. in the right way, though. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Whereas the other ones were trying to be serious and ending up cartoonish. These guys said the angle is cartoonish, and they hit that. Yeah. I guess... The original kind of has more of that accent in it anyway. Yeah. It's not quite as over the top as what they performed here. No. But I think given what the, what they had in their bag of skills, like what they had to draw on, that was the right <laughs> that was what marker they to shoot for. That was it. That was their... And as opposed to being like, I'm going to be a serious shot, and then you end up fucking wonky. They were like, we're going to be cartoonish on this. It ends up cartoonish. It shows that we can plan something and execute something. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Um, and they play a flat, flat fade out live, which I've never yes. heard before. Yes, we were discussing that. I think yeah. literally last week on, uh, and, the, take uh, on the episode. So this is why you don't play a fade out live. Yeah, because it's just kind of peters out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or okay. echoes live. You go huh huh, yeah. huh. <laughs> with your voice. Yeah, I heard yeah unless you're and I'm all. Oh, please don't do that. Doing your own <laughs> echoes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, crazy God. especially when we have pedals that can do that you yeah, know you we have do. the equipment <laughs> you clearly have the equipment you have technicians like i can see the screen right yeah. they're right there <laughs> yeah live fade out i've, I've actually have never experienced it until that show and yeah. i'm yeah. wow that's interesting <laughs> i mean good on them for trying it again note for note cut for cut but it does not make for a good live performance especially when we're all applauding like it's a weird thing because a lot of these songs just fade into each other. 
Like they may it may not yes. be a concept album, but it is almost a stream of consciousness. It's just song, song, song. And so it's weird to have to stop for applause <laughs> without <laughs> having some sort of grand finish. Yeah. So let's uh let's go into hiding your shell. Which is maybe one of my favorite songs off this album, if not one of my favorite just all-time songs. This is uh, like primarily a keys and synth piece that's driven mostly by the vocals. Yes. Does anybody want to argue with that? You got some fucking notes there, Alex? <laughs> Fuck you. You're wrong. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> um, let's see. And I'll just read. So Roger Hodgson's, like I said earlier, he wrote this when he was... I was 23 and I wrote that song. Confused about life and like a lot of people are at that age trying to hide my insecurities. I've always been able to express my innermost feelings more openly in song and Hide in Your Shell came to me at a time when I was feeling very lonely. Lonely both in life and within the band with no one who shared my spiritual quest. What that quest was, I do not know. His quest for Northern California, which I believe is where he lives now. No. Congratulations. That is all. Roger Hodgson. (laughs) So yeah, again, like we don't need to overanalyze this one. I don't have like quite as hot a take as I have for Bloody I have some I have some notes on this. They're quite short. Oh, do you mean for the original? Yeah, I love it. It's phenomenal. You get these like his. It shows his emotional strength in vocals. Yes, he's pleading in this song. He's he like strain is it almost is like like singing crying sometimes because it starts out sharp and then there's kind of this like yeah. Okay, cool. That's a cool take. Thank you. <laughs> welcome to Cool Take. Very cool. Very cool take, Jake. Wait, thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Got a, it's, got, it's got kind of a Bee Gees feel too. This oh, song. yeah, because of the higher yeah, falsetto. Yeah, and uh, and I guess is, is it synthesizer that a little wah 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 in, 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 when, yeah. when when he's There's when part- he's singing that. There's a lot of really rich stuff in the background, but it seems like it's. I don't know. It is. It does. It doesn't really come out like you know, like rock albums that are mm. where you can hear everything. That is, it isn't as um, dominant. Yeah, everything but, kind of attaches to the vocals yeah. in a way. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's a brilliant. It's there's actually a brilliant song. mentioning inter- interesting synth. There's one synth part that sounds like a like a theremin. It goes. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. It's on. I think it doesn't even come up on the first like chorus, but maybe the second one, and. It's like well, that's part of the reason I'm so grateful for doing this album is coming back and listening to and noticing all these little yeah things. the little tidbits. Right? But again, how cool would it have been if Classic Album Live had busted out a theremin yeah. to do that? Theremins aren't that hard to play. Like. No, <laughs> and they had enough people up there to do it. Yeah, they had Misk Lady. She was just doing yeah, the yeah. yes. She could. I had think a she could have had a much bigger part in a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, just go back in timing again. <laughs> It's supposed to be like uh, you know a concert or um a, uh, what do you call it a, re- a recital recital yeah. yeah why not have her conduct it yeah right there's nothing wrong with that 
give it some people. It would have been interesting to have a conductor. But like I just yeah. said, man, there are just some parts in there where there were like three people or four people are playing different times. They're all over the place trying to catch each other. Yeah, they need something to tighten up the performance for sure. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing that could have been fixed. Mm-hmm. So talking about the, the live version of the keys, were they too fast this time, Jesse? I didn't notice anything. I I have small notes on this. I just said this was a joke. Yeah, it's that's what I wrote. That's, that's all I wrote yeah, for it. This is a joke. Period. We have to talk <laughs> about the vocals. We have to talk about the vocals. The big, the first thing I noticed about this version, um, I, I fake Roger Hodgson. I don't know exactly what he was doing. I want to say like over enunciating almost. It almost sounded like musical theatery mm. to me, where and less poppy. But he kind of went between over and under enunciating, and I think that was just that tr- going for that accent yeah. thing. And because you know what, he actually like when he first started on this one, he's not doing terrible because it's not. It starts lower though. It starts lower, and you're like, okay, like if he wasn't trying to impersonate Hodgson so bad, he could actually. This knock could be out done quite okay nicely, yeah, yeah. But he just fucking destroyed. Yeah. He destroyed his vocal cords Once, so yeah. bad on this one. <laughs> he actually yeah. walked off the stage at the end. He did, yeah, because he needed to get like honey and tea stacked. <laughs> yeah, this was. It, this is where it became very clear that it was out of his range, and he really started to strain mm-hmm. uh, on those higher notes. And it's really unfortunate because there are ways around that. And they didn't want to transpose it, I assume, just for authenticity. Well, yeah, because no for no cut for cut. And uh, they're literally harming their hired musicians, and that's super unfortunate. Yeah, harming, yeah, and their their performance. Now, I don't know if the rest of the people there would think of it that way, but it seemed like a lot of them really enjoyed themselves. Yeah, one old dude posted on the Facebook page about how it was a great show. Yeah, I noticed that. Like the primary of their Facebook posts were just two ladies, two different ladies named Sheila. Thought <laughs> 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 that was weird. Were they just commenting on everything? Uh, I, it was just like the one event I looked at, and it was like Sheila said, "Oh, great show!" And then I was like, Sheila also said, but a different <laughs> Sheila one. Sheila, really love this. <laughs> the primary market for classic albums live is old ladies named Sheila. Sheila. <laughs> Um, yeah, the sax on this one, you were particularly disappointed with. Yeah, I was really looking forward to, because at this point in the show, I hadn't noticed that the saxophone was, like, missing stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. so when we got to that, I was like, alright, this guy, he's gonna hit this one out of the park, we're finally gonna get some strong-ass saxophone, and then it came in, it was so weak, it was like, da 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 And he sounded very uncertain. da 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 and it's like, uh, and I know, like, I was listening to the original. I think it's maybe double tracked or something. Yeah. So it has a little more strength behind it because of that. Right. But there was also, it didn't suck. So it had that as well. Uh, yeah. So, so I don't think this he one sucked was, here, but he's definitely really, almost unwilling. Yeah. I thought it was just really <laughs> underwhelming for that part, which is such a swell. Yeah. When the saxophone comes in. Because it comes right after you. It's a, the something. Yeah. It's like going back and forth between the vocals and that. And like, it just didn't really. Cut its. Uh, yeah, cut it its that part to me was a bit of a response. mess. Mm. Right? Yeah. It, when he got to that part of the song when and, and he started going play back and forth with the saxophone. Mm-hmm. You know, vocals. Tell you. You know, it was just. It got a bit messy. 
Yeah. And like I said, he felt like an unwilling participant in that part of the song. Yeah, and like I think he dropped notes on this. He played as quietly as he possibly could. He was very like, quiet. What 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 part is this? How do I do this? <laughs> what do I do? Wait, off stage? Yeah, I think the only show I ever went to to bring up Jeff Tate again with a worse saxophone was Jeff Tate, and that was only because the microphone didn't work and you couldn't hear the saxophone at all. Mm-hmm. So you could only see the saxophone, you couldn't hear it. And yeah. I think that so I, I can't comment on the actual playing ability. But that sucked. But this was maybe... This is actually probably worse. No, this is worse. <laughs> this is worse. At the end of this song, he actually misses his cue because he plays the outro on sax and he missed the yes, start of it. He... he missed a lot of things. Yeah, but this one is so... Because you get that like <sighs> blank space. There was a lot of that. He goes... Yeah, and you're like... sax here. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you're just like, like oh. wait. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> just... And one other, one other complaint I have about this one is... He does some of that. We talk about this all the time, but bits that are clearly improvisational in a recording, and he oh, right. did them intentionally. There's the ba, 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 which is just Roger Hodgson, I think, enjoying the music, but just ba, he's ba, like, ba. I need to do these ba, ba, ba's, and they yeah. just come off as Which, of course, is awful. their note for Tacky. Note, beat for beat. It's like yeah. they're, they're too um, concerned with authenticity on things that don't matter yeah and, and then they miss out the things that actually do matter 100 weirdly enough but maybe not unexpectedly and that's not like we're going to talk about this on the next track which i'm going to jump into if we're all okay with that <laughs> oh yeah is I'm, asylum jimmy green was keen his brain was always winning i can't keep tabs on mine it's really quite a joke I see him down the road I ask if he'd be willing To let me and again, like this one's pretty simple in terms of narrative. It's another song dealing with isolation. Here's uh, my counterpoint for this not being a concept album. If oh. it was, he wouldn't be talking about Jimmy Cream being well put together he'd talk about johnny too good who is the character from school okay that's right at the start of the scene. jimmy green his brain was right. always winning brain was yeah. always winning whereas in school it's be like johnny too good potentially uh, no that's exactly what it is <laughs> no, 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 I believe, no, no. I mean your previous point. Yeah, that, that, okay. That, I believe all these facts you're listing. Is like potentially for your opinionated. For, well, yeah, because I'm not. I'm not taking any stance on the concept album thing. I'm just okay. pointing out. Oh, just pointing out arguments for either so side. So then, yeah. All right. Potentially. Um, Interesting. So yeah, I like this one because he says he doesn't want to be put in an asylum, particularly because it isolates you from society. But he clearly feels isolated. Like this whole song is about, like him and people at right he's isolated but he doesn't want to be like yeah he's 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 psychologically isolated but he doesn't want to be physically isolated because he wants to stay Mm -hmm. with everyone even though he feels isolated does he because he says that it's like but he doesn't my condition is just a lie that i'm playing just you know to kind of get attention or for fun to be locked up Mm -hmm. he still wants to be continue more or less what he's doing but the sailboat ride is that a physical sailboat ride, or does that mean something else? Uh, I don't. I because I does that just mean like he wants to like goal. be on his own? Yeah, yeah, like but isolated, free? but in a in a free sense as opposed yeah. to a, a captured one. Interesting. So still isolation, but in a different context. Ooh, mm-hmm. I like that. That's interesting. Um, so this is again another vocally driven piece. Yes, it's um, very much Rick Davies at the forefront. 
and we get absolutely we get fake Rick Davies. Yeah, on this who fake is Rick Davies. not a vocal soloist. Um, <laughs> he should have been a backup vocalist. Yeah, yeah. or oh, even yeah. as a backup vocalist, he does a bad job. Oh, <laughs> well, forget, oh my god, dude! But yeah, so uh, just this one, is where it really shows. Is this is where yeah, it really shows where he cracks. Eh? Mm-hmm. His cracks of his very uh, of his potential. Focused. Yeah, and again, like he again, this piece doesn't start out too hard on the vocals. That's true. So like he started out fine, and oh, in the beginning he sounded pretty good. Actually, I was pretty impressed. And I was like, oh, he's kind of given up on trying to sound like Rick Davies, but then it comes back full. He was kind of dropping the ends of lines. I thought, yeah, and middles of some lines. He said fifteen, but like kind of didn't say p. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like me fifteen, so I'm like fifteen. What motherfucker? Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> and I was a little angry by this point. Yeah, and he gets swallowed in the in the mix on this one. Mm-hmm. I like I can hear much more of the piano and like drums and things. You thought that was in opposition to the intent of the original? Yeah. The original definitely has a swell, but I almost swell, wonder if being enveloped by something is. is oh, you mean the of crescendos it. of the instruments when they come in? Yeah. yeah. Like when it's before, well, like somewhere like not the, quite right in that, yeah. in that no, part. It's, yeah. It's to the point where I couldn't hear him though. Okay. Well, that yeah, I think he stepped away from. Which the is mic usually a problem, but then I was like, oh, I get to hear like the instruments hear. on this. I get to hear Sweet. like this nice little synth bit, sort of. There's yeah, this kind of echoey guitar in the back. Yeah. That I like. I don't. I'm assuming it's on the original track, but I've never heard it until the live performance. So right. That was nice. I assume there's something there, and he there um, is something yeah of an echo like a kind of a, like like an elongated note like mm-hmm. it kind of comes in and out yeah but I don't know what it is it's something electronic is it the guitar or just or yeah I'm not I'm sure not, in the original I'm not sure but they use the the electric for that right mm. and it's a pass for me I liked it I didn't it was all right yeah. It's uh, he fucks up one of the lines at the end. Will he I ever make does. it through? Well, yeah. He, he says, also oh, sorry. will I have to make it through? <laughs> he also when he says it's just a game I play for fun, he mm-hmm. said that twice, and he never said I'm just as sane as anyone. Right. <laughs> yeah, and this one, I'm like, I'm fairly certain the uh, the Hodgson, the backup singer, missed because he was still off stage. I think. Yeah, he missed, he a, missed he a few, back some of that background yeah. talking that they do. Yeah, and there was also. One of the not quite rights. Mm-hmm. I think the, f- I, mean, I don't know if it's like he had a really he really went for the fake accent on on that and it. Oh yeah. I mean it's just always so obvious. It's yeah. Just drop the accents, guys. We'll have a much better show. Um, uh, let's see. And there's yeah the screaming part on this. <gasps> yeah, it was just a joke. <laughs> yeah, it was flat and sad. Unnecessary, then, in my opinion. I don't think he wanted to do it. I, yeah, I don't think nobody <laughs> really wanted to do it. It should have just been the recording part, right? Just, just yeah. crack it up there. Oh, it, yeah. it was that rough. Um, or even like, you know what would have done well? What the. Not a kazoo, but that other one we talked about. Oh, a kazoo? <laughs> I should have looked at what it was called. The. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, that would have been perfect. Plus, he would I have think it would have like been... a lunatic pulling out this fucking bright-ass little thing. And yeah, like, and it, it would have fit the show. Oh, yeah, it would have been Not beautiful. That's right. one thing. There was really no presence in the performances, right? Sterile. It was Yeah, it was just this bland performance of... Everybody's wearing black, so you can't even see them against the fucking know, background. Like, there was very little no emotions, and <laughs> but that is how it is in a recital, though. You know, with the, yeah. the black and, and, and the little bow ties and the thing. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like, 
Why would you aspire to be a recital? Why is your goal even, to be like, remember I mean, cool music? What if it was lame as hell? <laughs> what if it was lame as hell? Yeah. I and mean, yeah. you can see it lame as hell. <laughs> Sit properly, everyone. No recordings, nothing. Yeah. Sit here, be quiet. <laughs> and I mean, the black clothes weren't that big a deal to me, but like their actions weren't much either. Yeah, like fake Roger Hodgson just kind of had his hands in his pockets. Like, yeah. Or once time. in a while. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and, so, and everyone else just seemed dead upstairs. Like there was there was nothing really mm-hmm. going they were just on. doing their performance. Yeah, didn't really look like they were super into it. Yeah. Maybe sometimes during the solos or whatever. <laughs> this but. is what happens when you force nine people to imitate a vinyl. <laughs> yeah, it becomes a job. <laughs> you need to be lifeless. <laughs> oh, just like plastic. Mm. It's like sweet, sweet plastic. Just like they're not shiny enough. Horn so, yeah, section. Like this like Asylum and Hide in Your Shell gave me hope at the start for the live performances. And it did it um, so quickly. Yeah, um, in the beginning of it, Hide in Your Shell. Yeah, they all just felt like it was. Oh, this could be good. Mm-hmm. And then it just broke for me. <laughs> yeah, it was something else. So let's jump into uh, another one of the singles off this album, Dreamer. Dreamer. <laughs> Shall we? Now, the original version, um, I'll say this. The lyrics are kind of unimportant, I think. I feel like this is more having the vocals as another instrument as part of the rest of the... Like, it's like an ensemble piece of instruments with the vocals. Because what's it really about? It's about a guy who's, again, we got the theme of isolation because he's up in his head, right? Mm, I really wish I had looked into the the lyrics more for this one, unfortunately. I said, far out. What a day, a year, a life it is. You it's Homer know. Simpson jumping up and down. It's just like it's a it's a pure fantasy song. Yeah. Right? And it, it captures its simple theme perfectly, I'd say. Yeah. And this is another heavy synth and keys one. It's also a heavy vocal piece. Very, yes, very Bee Gees like a whole ensemble of vocals. Yeah. In terms yeah, and very I mean, Bee Gees like in this a lot song. Of Roger Hodgson singing. Yeah. And obviously fake Roger Hodgson. But in fairness, it is pretty much just one note. Oh, uh, you know, you had it coming to high, It's a high note, though, no. unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, the keys are awesome in this, though, but it's... Yeah. And this one is one where they, like, doubled the fucking tempo in the yeah. the live version. They were moving so quick. They were moving... That's what I mean. Like, it was like the timing and some of the signatures were they were all over the place because he's not paying attention to the band behind him. And the drums are trying to keep up with the harmony rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so there's this conflict. And I'm like, he's always going faster than everybody else. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just comparing the times of the original um, versus the... Oh, did you cut them up into individual tracks? I just marked the times. Ah. Uh, so I, I, I'm looking, trying to look up the length of the original, but the recording for this one was about... Three minutes and ten seconds. Twenty seconds. Okay, that's probably so just over close. three minutes. Um, I'm just curious. Yeah, so this is the one that he recorded a demo of when he was nineteen using a Wurlitzer electric piano, and uh, he was, he was cool. ba- banging on cardboard boxes for percussion. 
So when he brought the song to the band, what he eventually ended up doing was playing his demo on one track and having them record on the other to try and imitate his demo as closely as possible. Sounds, sounds really complicated sometimes. There, yeah. like some of the bullshit you got to go through. No kidding. I just, I, like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could work with Roger Hodgson. <laughs> I don't think. I, sounds I don't like have the, the same style maybe, of doing things. Maybe couldn't either. Yeah. Yeah, times. but things are different now. The technology's different now too, right? Sure. Yeah. But he's not in the band either. So he's what, not in the band. What, what's the time on the original track? Three thirty-one. Okay, so it's actually a, pretty close. It's pretty close. About but 10 seconds. Uh, you can audibly hear that there's a picked up tempo. I'm yes. not sure if 10 seconds is a lot. Like, I'm trying to compare it to things. Like, I know, like, in Mario Kart, mm-hmm. if I'm a second ahead of someone, that's pretty far ahead. A second right. is far. But, like, is it in music? I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. Um, The back of vocals I found actually helped to distract from... Our uh, our fake Roger Hodgson here, because you could be like, oh, there's other things going on, because it'd be like far out on a day, oh yeah, my life Um, and, and fake Rick Davies sounds like a frog on this. Oh, it, he kind of always sounded a little froggy. This one, this one though. especially, right? He hey, just he froggy. just popped up and. Yeah, it's uh, that's all I have to say about this one. Yeah, there the was frog a whole prince lot. with a black shirt jumping up and down, He's still wiggling his hand and one hand in his pocket. Yeah, <laughs> He's still not, so uninspiring. Okay. <laughs> He's still straining. He's not really hitting the notes. And uh, oh, when they do their like dream, 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 yeah, dream, yeah. Dream, it didn't really build in the same way in this no. one. I feel like they could have had gotten some more intensity or energy into it somehow, and they didn't really do that. Yeah, I'll agree to that. Yeah. Because you know what, what the problems with Rick Davies here, fake Rick Davies, is that he doesn't actually have like a deep bass voice. No, he's just kind of doing a. Yeah. Actually, when he sang, he just said dream. Just yeah. dream. Yeah. <laughs> just say it, right? He had really nothing for it. Because, like, on the actual, it's like, come on and dream, dream long. Yeah. Like, it's way down. Yeah, he doesn't. It's. it's I mean, I, I said before they went too much into the the imitation on on the Roger Hodgson side yeah. and didn't get the uh, the range, but they didn't do they didn't seem to work very hard at finding a, a Rick Davies impersonation yeah. and also didn't get the range. So yeah, I think they what the hell, guys? On the wrong parts for Rick Davies. Yeah. They're like kind of growly, right? Kind of growly. It's like we found some chain yeah, smoker outside. The focus, we got I think their focus on this album was a little bit off. Yeah. Kind of that, the imitation rather than, like I said, just trying to own it. Make it your own. Play it. Sing it. Rather than, rather than trying to be like the original band or like the actual album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty rough. So from this, we move into one of the one of the longer tracks and one of Supertramp's classic shouting match songs. Ooh. Rudy. <laughs> My, some of my favorite Supertramp songs are the ones where it ends with just like a minute of the, like the two guys belting at each other. <laughs> those are the yeah, those are the most fun. Yeah, Supertramp songs. they're just powerful, and we're gonna. Talk I mean, they about do have two very distinct. The ending of this too is the one where they fade, right? Yeah, well, it fades to a uh, like a market square, 
It's uh, it's Leicester Square, I believe. Yeah, the crowd noises were in the song were taken yeah. from Leicester Square. It's it's one of those British ones where it? it looks like Leicester. Mm. <laughs> but it's yeah, I, I like Wikipedia. I've always it. wondered Leicester. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, essentially with those kind of ones, you just take out the middle. Just pretend like the word is shorter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, they you have that market kind of. <laughs> um yeah i love this song too uh so we get train on the original we've got train sound effects yeah something i never really picked up on on the original i guess i didn't listen to it enough i think the problem with crime of the century for me Mm -hmm. was it's so like ingrained that i haven't listened to it in like 15 years because i just just like i heard i was like yeah this is yeah like you you know it yeah i just i heard it so much and like some of the songs so much and it's just been around in my life for so i was like yeah that's just that one well now you're also you're also like in a way, studying it now, right? Mm-hmm. And listening to more things about it, rather than yeah. just like when you were a kid, just listening to it. Well, yeah. like 10 years, not 15 years. But I didn't really ever pick up on the rhythm. You're not and the rhythm old. is actually kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah and it's very jazzy. It sound, like At the start, it kind of sounds like a train, right? Yeah. Um, I guess. Like, you get that kind of... But it's definitely not the... It's not super straightforward, and I think it's cool sound. Yeah. And there's that sort of weird it's like one of the i think it's like one of those wood like ridged wood things that you would slide over right i don't know what those are called i don't know either but it's got that i think effect on the percussion okay. as well yeah were they um, not playing something like that you think miscellaneous lady did. Miscellaneous there, lady did there, play well? that. there okay. was some kind of block there's a block it, that she's every <laughs> yeah. like oh yeah right and After it's all the hours. again yeah. it kind of like sounded out of place in their mix it came off of as like very there. weird and odd, and again, this part of it is their timing was also very bad. So in the, <laughs> the original, timing we, is often with every song we talk about. I know it's this. just like, yeah. as a general note, they have bad timing. Yeah, they yeah. have bad. That's why I meant by like it would have been nice to have some sort of conductor up there. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be. And was, this is this is a piece that in the original actually has. Oh, it's a string synthesizer, I believe. There's no actual strings credited. There's on no this strings, album. eh? Okay. But there, we do hear these strings. And I think it, again, it would have been phenomenal. Would have been so cool to if they have had real strings, strings yeah. there to to really flesh that out. We've got some sort of heavy guitar that contrasts the sort of light, dreamy piano. Although I didn't. Lo- this is the one that I really didn't dig the piano so much on mm-hmm. because i the original the piano really has some good like dynamics to it lots of like good louds and softs um and this one was pretty flat comparatively yeah that's well, what i the, thought about yeah this the one. original is actually really like smooth as well too right it's another it's almost yeah, like, it's, it's, it's almost another, well la- right. another like laser kind of like i, yeah. I, I mean i thought movie. the notes were all in the right place yeah there was, but the yeah I, mean, I meant that yeah this one was kind yeah. of flat yeah. it was like they were just once again just playing it note but this for kind note. of like builds and drops yeah yeah, yeah. there's yeah, more like emphasis in things yeah. and how deep was played it's such these guys are so good at just flexing their piano skills davies and hodgson who both do some of the keyboard bits mm-hmm. throughout these songs just because if you listen to it they're playing like fucking f- like so many notes just very quickly but it sounds yeah. like they're it's like almost classical doing nothing stuff, yeah right? exactly it's some good runs i think rick davies is more like a jazz guy yeah i can see that in classical so i think they kind of had those two sides which is pretty neat and yeah this song is so like ingrained in my head it's almost like some kind of old movie you can just i can just always picture rudy on this train to nowhere yeah (laughs) halfway down life and then he goes to and he even goes to a movie maybe that's why i think of it and then is back on that train back on the train (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyway kicks ass so the in the, the live version 
the oh here's another example of uh connected connectivity through songs in the shouting match he says hearing's all right for them that's all there all there meaning in the head we're in just coming head. off the end of dreamer and crate ah, asylum some connected which have tissue themes of insanity in there hmm so that's another point for concept album. Mm, have we been keeping track? Score? No. Because I haven't. Um, the folks at home have. Hashtag concept of the century. Crime of the concept. Super concept. Super concept. <laughs> at us. At me. Um, yeah. This is, let's see. So let's talk about the live version. Let's. Um, <laughs> that percussion is. I thought the piano wasn't as strong. Yeah. You did mention that. As I just said. I it's, thought we were already talking about the live version. What about yeah. the percussion, Jake? Um, the percussion that, like that, that alt percussion, they do that sort of slide thing, that wooden block and stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Um, distracting from everything else. Yeah. Rather than adding to it. Yeah. Um, they they drop the lyrics on for no reason or rhyme. Um, he just kind of oh, goes like he like drops the middle and then he's like reason or rhyme. Yeah, he's kind of like growled it. <laughs> yeah, and so and again, this is another one where I found the drums to just be aggressive. And Too just aggressive. like distracting. So percussion mm-hmm. overall on this one blew me away. I found the guitar in all around this whole band was pretty loud. The way he was kind of like, like yeah, it's just above everybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering. I I wore my like earplugs during the show, and they like, sometimes cut out some of the higher frequency stuff. So I wonder okay. if maybe that made it sound a little better because I didn't have maybe. any problem with the guitar volume. <laughs> um, what I did like about this version, I thought this was actually very cool. He comes out with that uh, megaphone. Oh, he did. That yes, kind of, like announcer yeah. thing, and he does the uh, the like train station announcements through yeah. that, and it sounds sounds phenomenal. It sounds great. It's like cool. it's his best vocal work of the night, <laughs> unfortunately. But I actually like that part of the show. I thought it was like it was it was interesting. Yeah, like that was very cool, yeah. and that's the kind of stuff they should have been doing throughout yeah. the show. What surprised me was he kept the megaphone out the whole time, and he kept going backstage and didn't put the megaphone away and never used it again. <laughs> <laughs> so I kept thinking, like, what else is he going to use, use that, that for? for? <laughs> Back on that train. Uh, Chekhov's megaphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. That's probably my thing he did all night. Uh, the, the, there's the dueling violins or the dueling string section on this piece. Um, also, was that pre-recorded or was that actually done on the synths? I couldn't tell. I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, they could have done it on the synths. It's like they should have if they didn't. But but I, I thinking back, can't can't picture it and so yeah we get to the shouting match on this one and like you can tell it's tearing apart fake roger hodgson and fake babies is is just throwing this match away he's just kind of mumbling his response yeah he's 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 pretty much giving up at this time already at at this point fake roger hodgson actually like went into falsetto for a while yeah and he absolutely should have done that a long time before yeah yeah i've been there before like like, straining as a non-professional singer where you're like Oh, I should be singing like in this style. Yeah. Like, that's why I'm fucking up right now. Yeah, but you shouldn't be doing that in a paid professional performance. No, I and uh, like at this point, I'm questioning like, is he just going to that because his voice is fucked up at this point because he has been singing this whole time, or like, was that how they rehearsed, rehearsed it? it? Because yeah. if they rehearsed that and they were like, well, we need to do it for this one, why didn't they do it for the other one? So I don't know. Is very strange. And the other thing was, I, I, I was thinking maybe they weren't doing it because he couldn't do the voice mm. when he went into falsetto, but he did that. Like, he still did his impersonation voice. Yeah. Which, as much as I didn't love it, 
if that's what they were going for. He still did it fine when he was in falsetto, so I don't know. It, there's so many questions. Yeah. So many questions. There's some really rough high harmonies on the, like, you better show them all now. There was one, like, very sharp. Because miscellaneous lady, she, yeah. does the, she does some high harmonies. It, it was like like needles in my ear she, her mic yeah. was a little high i think because mm, like for a backup vocalist i felt like i could hear her a bit much but she did a fine job of this singing most of the time at least singing wise like she didn't like her actual singing was fine even if the mixing wasn't yeah i assume that's what you're referring to that's yeah um, so it's she just was, like yeah. it cut through so heavily she was like the bass she's hired when we saw nazareth <laughs> the strongest vocal part no the singing in nazareth is fine but the vo- if you remember when we saw Nazareth, mm-hmm. the backup vocals from the bass player yeah. were like shockingly good, like very good. And and I don't know. Right, yeah, I, I do just recall. Have a vague memory of that. Yeah. So um, my only, my last note for this one ago. is the last line, sad but in a while he'll soon be back on that train. He says, <laughs> Sad but in an hour he'll soon be. Mm-hmm. You you can hear him say hour? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's uh weird. What movie change? is he seeing that's less than an hour long? Yeah. What is it, the the great train robbery? Come on, the classic film. The gri- okay, fine. Moving on. <laughs> Unless any, any last I've never notes taken about a Rudy? film studies class. I haven't seen. Yeah, I never opened movies. a book either. Clearly, <laughs> I wrote in this book. Oh, you're an <laughs> author now I'm too. Author. <laughs> okay, let's jump to uh, if everyone is listening. I'm not listening. You know, I heard too much. Um, yeah, so this is this is quoted as another one of Hodgson's philosophical musings. If everyone was listening, was inspired by the "As You Like It" adage, all the world's a stage, and all the men are merely players. Yeah, there'd be a chance that we could save the show. Yeah, according to Entertainment Weekly, the message of the song is not knowing what's going on in everyone's mind is just another form of not being in control. The fear comes not from the absence of knowledge of another person's thought process, but rather from confronting the fact that we have no control over anything. Cool. So this is, uh, I think is there, what's, there's non-traditional instruments on this. Kind of like, I mean, it's, it's, it's got that stage play sound. Cause that's, yeah, that's it looks the, like a bit of, is it? Like an accordion? It's about a show. I believe there's an accordion, and I was a little disappointed that they didn't have. Yeah, that's definitely really dominant in uh, in the original. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like they could have done that. Yeah, I mean, now, I guess you need an accordion player, but I think but a lot of keys players. These dabble. are the world's best. These musicians, are the world's Alex. best musicians. <laughs> and they didn't. Did and they have actually, an Calgary song? has a lot of accordion players, but there mm-hmm. are blues players and stuff like that here. Oh yeah. And even you know Damien and like from Mount Royal, they know a few people there play accordion. So I'm, I'm sure, sure they're not hard to find here in Calgary. Can't throw a stone in Calgary without hitting at least one accordion player. Or someone has a you know harmonica, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Something. Just get some reeds out there, man. Get some reeds. <laughs> you know what? The other thing is the uh, uh, chord organ. It's basically a stand-up accordion 
it sounds like an accordion. Use that. Use I don't that. Know. I bought one for $30 one time. <laughs> you can find them. I don't know, man. Yeah. So let's talk about the live version of this. I'll go off the bat and say the drums are actually good on this one. Whereas usually they're either passable or too loud. I actually think they did a good job of the buildups. Yeah, on. I actually liked it here too as yeah. well. I think I mentioned that with you. Yeah, it's um. But I he was actually the only one. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't pay attention to the rhythm section because it's not important. Of course, harsh, <laughs> harsh, my friend. A- um, as a representative of that section, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> harsh. <laughs> um, and actually, Fake Roger Hodgson did a decent job at the beginning of this song because it's quite low. I have these two notes. I say this might be the best Hodgson vocals yet, followed by "Oh, there it goes. He's yeah, awful again." Yeah, I know. Like my, he can actually <laughs> yeah. sing this part because it's lower. Next note, not the whole nah. thing. Not the whole thing. <laughs> So, so this his yeah. his vocal should have been put, covered by yeah, two people, everyone. just yeah, him. That would have been yeah. fine, right? Like they could have even got like a female vocalist to sing some of the higher parts, and it probably would have sounded okay. Yeah, honestly, that would sound dope. I mean, it's almost like cheating, but at least it wouldn't have sounded this, like straining the whole time. This whole co- the whole voice. culture was a crime of a century, man. Yeah, I um, mean, like yeah. <laughs> it's ugh, unbelievable. Um, I think the keys missed a bit. Oh, I didn't notice that. I missed just like it was between one line and there'll be a chance that we can save the show. Like there was they either missed a bit or played accidentally. There's something weird happens there. I like played it a few times. I couldn't put my finger on what. Hmm. There's just an odd like breath where something either did or didn't happen. Yeah. And it shouldn't have either way. That's weird. I didn't pick up on that. It's all, I think, when I heard that, it was mostly because of they didn't know when to come in. Yeah, again, there's, there's this once uncertainty. Once again, there was a certainty of where you're at or the timing is off. And so sometimes maybe, you, do you just hesitate, just come in? Or do, or, or do you just go for it or cancel? Yeah, which is not what professional musicians <laughs> no, do. Yeah, I, I don't think, I don't know, how long did they have time to rehearse this? Gosh. Man. Yeah, that's what I was wondering too, because they were clearly like on tour, right? Mm-hmm. And we've known about the show for a while. Yeah, at least since September, I've known about so, it. I mean, the know. album's been out that for a while, right? Yeah. So, yeah, Crime of the Century, that, that came out a couple years back. That's, at that's least, a couple right? Yeah. 2015, and it's all like that. So, like a, they, they had, they had a, a few years. 2014. 2014, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they, yeah, December 2014. That's so, right. I'm pretty sure they had time to, uh, you know, get together and figure this thing out. Yeah, the only was, thing I can think of is they seem to do uh, different album shows. I don't know if they use the same musicians for each one. I have to imagine there's some crossover, to, but yeah, because yeah, ACDC is currently they're doing an ACDC back in back black in black, yeah, at the mm-hmm. same time. So that's playing in some places. So I imagine they have to have two separate crews. So these guys should have been dedicated to the super train. Yeah, I didn't quite understand really what he meant. Does he mean that in that building again there'll be another group from the same company? That's playing back in black. That's probably and while he's him and his yeah, super tramp so. group goes to another building. Well, theoretically, after the super tramp tour, the fake Roger Hodgson is going to have his voice so messed up <laughs> he's going to retire. He'll, he'll be a, a sh- like a shoe in for ACD <laughs> surgery. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Shit. Uh, let's see. I had another thing to say about this. Right. Oh, th- at this point, I was like, "Geez, I haven't heard from the saxophone guy in a while." That's true. He <laughs> and, kept, then, and then yeah. he comes in. Like, he comes in. <laughs> yes, this was the squeaky clarinet yeah. part, and he like was doing something. Like it seemed almost I, like he was having technical difficulties because he was messing around. Technical with his, like, difficulties. Taking the reed bit off of his off of his yeah. clarinet. Well, yeah, because like, it shouldn't squeak like that. No, no, I don't know what causes that. Um, 
It's very and everything was already set up there. He had to stand there for the each um, instrument yeah. that he had, mm-hmm. so everything was already ready. The thing, it is just weird. The whole recital idea where they walk off stage, come back on. It's like just stay there, man. Give him a chair. Seriously, yeah, yeah, and give that man and a chair. this man it, it, through the entire performance of the first half of all of Crime of the Century, he'd be missing his cues to come mm-hmm. in. He'd mm-hmm. be coming in mm-hmm. late, but then he wasn't gonna rush in to do all his parts. He'll just like I'll just do half of my part yeah. and then finish. <laughs> it was always like that. It was always been coming in late, or he'd be facing away from the mic, so you have no idea what he's doing. <laughs> so it was he had an off night. Yeah, it was a really, really off. Yeah, I suppose we can't comment on his ability. He's obviously a professional uh, woodwinds player. Yeah, which but is more than it I was definitely a bad night, at least. Yeah, I would, I would be interested in seeing how they've fared at other venues. That's all I have to say about this one. Should we jump into the final track, Crime of the Century? Indeed. Speaking, yes. So the album was named after this song, actually. Oh, which part of it? Um, the the crime of the century part. <laughs> ah, <laughs> like right at the beginning, right? Yeah, it makes really. sense to me so now. Another planning the crime of the century. Crime of the century. Oh, they lifted it right that's what they say. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> um, let's see. Which the band members felt were the strongest song in the album. Shortly after his departure from Super Tramp, Hodgson commented, "I've had more people come up to me and say that that song touched them more deeply than any other. That song really came together when we were living together at Southcombe Farm and just eating and sleeping and breathing the ideas for the album. The song just bounced between Rick and I for so many." weeks before it finally took form for unknown reasons in several interviews both before and since <laughs> uh, Hodgson has attributed the song as being written solely by Davies and so they say uh, Hodgson's and Davies both stated the communication within the group was at a peak during the recording of this album while uh, a drummer Bob Siebenberg, Siebenberg, Siebenberg stated that he thought it was the album on which the band hit its artistic peak so that's just a little, huh. little opening little about, fact th- I've always felt that some of the confusion about comments like that have more to do with the difference between, like, if I say someone wrote a song, do I mean they wrote the music? Do I mean they wrote the lyrics? And sometimes those two things are are viewed separately. Yeah, I guess. So it's possible that, like they say, we wrote the song together because we all came up with, like, the musical parts and then put them together in a particular way. Right. Versus, like, yeah, he wrote all the lyrics himself and then we... So, like... I wonder if maybe this is just two different ways of like saying the same thing, but meaning something different. Right. Just, just a thought. Yeah, not all I mean, but it's members possible are clarifying that. that though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as they cl- seem to at least imply, they have some communication issues later on. Later on. So yeah. Who knows? Um. So yeah, this one. I literally have one note for the original version of this. <laughs> besides what I already talked about, the harmonica from school being at the end of the song. And that's just that I didn't know the line was, and they raped the universe. I still don't know that. It's how it's gone from bad to worse. So this is, uh, like, this is again about the, like, a corrupt system, what we've done to the world. Right. And I would say it implies that it's going to keep happening because of that harmonica at the end. 
which links it to the start, which it all starts Blue. from the school system. Blue. Yeah. What? Um, that's not the harmonica part. What is the crime of the century? Um, I think it's the it's well, our society today would be the crime of the century. Ooh. I imagine the rape of the universe. Yeah, these men of lust, greed, and glory. That's that's who runs the world. If you just rip off the mask, we'll see. Yeah. This is the mask metaphor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. It's roll up and see. And then he says, "How oh, they rape the universe." Yeah, still, I gotta listen to it again I know, for that right? line. <laughs> um, should we? Is any like this is a big instrumental piece. Again, there's not a ton of lyrics on this, but he does a lot in a short space of time with those. And it's just this big cacophonous, like heavy. The percussions drums. are important in this. Yeah, this yeah, is more. I, like, this is that where the percussion really have to bring in their A game. I would kind of said like I don't know what else there is left to say because it was just a lot of the same stuff that we've come across in the previous yeah, song. Fake yeah, Fake does a bad job um, here. The vocals aren't great. The instrumental parts are like... Mm, well, I'm talking about the concert, right? The track the, yeah, at the concert. <laughs> yeah. The drum and synth actually, I thought, That's did good. good. That's good. Yeah. Um, the the piano is still fine as well. It sounded a bit off to me, um, actually. Oh, okay. A little fast or something. Well, and the uh, can I add to parts. that again? Yeah. It's the, they felt the same problem to like bloody well right yeah that where you have three instruments playing and they're all playing in different parts and they're all playing in different times um once again the drums are there and they're falling behind he's the one supposed to be the spine of it right mm -hmm. it's his beat right and it was not there at all so it, it's, it's all over the place Okay. Yeah, it is a it's a mess of a piece. Like, like the sax, it was, a, it was a travesty. Barely present, and when it is, it's missing notes or fucking I don't them know. up. I don't There's know. No harmonica in this version. They didn't play it at all. They, no. When did they play a harmonica? Was it in the second half? Because at one point, Rick, fake Rick Davies busted out a harmonica, and I'm trying to remember what it was for. Hmm. It may have been, not been Crime of the Century. Yeah, at all. Well, do you think they busted it out in the? In their greatest hits section. Yeah, it might have been the greatest hits section. Might have been. Yes, yeah, so this was a, a really floppy finish to what was a, a pretty poor night overall. Yeah. Yeah. It's um It was I unfortunate. Mean, we we went in expecting, yeah, like I said, orchestral versions of these. Yeah. And then it wasn't, so we just kinda got upset and now we're just ragging on it. I mean, I don't even if I had expected just a band to to replay it live. I still think this fails on that counter. Yes, absolutely. By their, by their own measure of what they're supposed to be, they have failed. It's by their own measure. Yeah, that's the, that's the best way to look at like, it. Like, I don't think we're being unfair at all. This is this, this is what they're saying. It yeah. is the Bad metrics by which they are inviting us to judge them. Yeah, I'd say by their own metrics, they failed. By my metrics, they have failed. Yeah. And it's a shame because this is a phenomenal album. Yes, yes. And they should also know that, that they are doing an album that everyone already would know who mm -hmm. would go there. It's beloved by everyone. Yeah, some so people have known that album for decades. Yeah, like yeah, for as long as it's been around. That's yeah. So since twenty December twenty fourteen. <laughs> so you think Four that whole years? Yeah, and so you think that you know it, it's you you are doing a tribute to it too, right? Especially when they're still alive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, especially when you could actually still theoretically see Supertramp yeah. perform this. Imagine if, you know, the band members were there to see this. And the thing is, like, listening to live versions of Supertramp do this, they don't, like, they don't sound like the original album. 
No. Because the, it's a live performance. It's not the purpose of it's it. It's loosened up too, right? Yeah. And so, the, like I said about owning it. The beauty of live performances is improvisation. It's taking the original piece and playing with it and showing your skill as one of the world's best musicians. Like, it's <laughs> supposed to be something Maybe phenomenal. that's one of the biggest challenges there? That they took a live and they went the other way around? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, I Well, I did see, and now I'm uh, questioning myself, because this was a long time ago. When I was in elementary school, mm-hmm. uh, when I was young, I saw Rain, the Beatles. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Tribute band? band, yeah. Tribute band. And, oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I remember it being really good. But now I'm like, was it this? Because there's people who like this one as well. Did I just not know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there I'm are questioning. good tribute bands. Yeah. I've heard them as, as pretty good. Like I've, I've, like my aunt has one of their albums, right? Mm-hmm. And actually I wouldn't mind seeing them live just because out of curiosity. Yeah. Right? So I'm curious because like I've heard some good stuff from them. That would be a good one to do an episode on. I would and so like the to first half was all just the century, right? A different tribute group. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, this was our first whole experience doing something just one-to-one comparison mm-hmm. we'll and a see. whole album we'll instead. see how it goes and speaking of tributes hit us up on twitter hashtag cover me yeah to pod how does it cover me pod to tribute us to- <laughs> what <laughs> well it's because the is the cover me and tribute and there's a little joke for you there okay. but it's actually cover me pod cover me pod just to, just to add did you, any of you enjoy the other songs after uh kind of century Mm, any no, of them stand out? I'm so upset after okay, I will, the century. This is this is my uh, <laughs> give a little bit. They played the last song they yeah. played. I thought that was the strongest song. So not the great because it's the, the greatest easiest song to sing. Sure, but but they actually kind of got into it then. Yeah, and he had like fake um fake Roger Hodgson got his own acoustic guitar, and there was like some vague interaction between. I around fell in love like, with Goodbye Stranger. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, because he just stumbled with his words, and I just started oh. laughing my ass off. I'm like, he's missed his spot completely. He's like. What? What? What did you say? What was that? <laughs> oh, I missed that. <laughs> Early morning yesterday, right? So it yeah. starts, and he had no. It, 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 yeah, he just kind of like stumbled, and we're yeah. like, "What the fuck?" Come on. <laughs> I just look at Jake. We look at each other. And we're like, just start laughing at him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was great. Yeah, it was. It was certainly a night to remember. So that's been our review of classic albums live performance of Crime of the Century. But if you that were there that night, you're probably over fifty and <laughs> don't know how to use Twitter. But holler at me anyway at, at Jake the Cressy. And um, if you got differing opinions from us, or if you got some live performances in the area you'd like us to cover, because honestly, it was fun to go out and check this out. Shout at us um, loudly, very loudly, so we can hear you. So we can hear you. That's I don't I don't have a bonus segment plan for this one. We're just gonna do this straight because we've we're already probably at what an hour and a half. What's yeah, the time on that yeah. thing? One one thirty five, which is one hour and thirty five minutes. Yeah, not a hundred. So well, like we always say on Cover Me, Cover Me. That's the name of the podcast. We'll see you next time.